Well, good morning, Austin Stone. Hope you're doing well this morning. My name is Matt. I get to serve as one of the pastors and elders here, uh, primarily at our Northwest congregation. And today, if you are new or just joining us, we're going to be primarily in Ephesians chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, you can flip to Ephesians 3. But we are in week 2 of uh, a five-week vision series where we are walking through and asking God, God, what is it that you would do among us, in us, and through us over these next five to seven years? And so that's where we're going to be. This is week two. Uh, And normally, again, if you're just visiting, we normally walk through books of the Bible. In fact, we're about halfway through the book of Hebrews, and that's where we will jump back into in just a couple of weeks. Uh, But today, in the next couple of weeks, we wanted to sort of just kind of hit the pause button for a second to just sort of think about, God, what, it, what is it that you would do among your church called the Austin Stone over these next few years? So that's, that's what we're going to do. And, and I don't know if you've ever done this. You're on Instagram and you're scrolling, Facebook, you're scrolling, and then a, an image pops up and it's like this idyllic like little cottage on a beach with no one else and the water is blue and the palm trees are there and it's not 121 degrees. Uh, it's the perfect temperature, at least in my mind. And I'm like, that's where I wanna be. That's where I would like to go. Like now, that would be amazing. And so you see that and you have something, a preferred future in your mind, a place that you would like to go. And then a couple of things start rolling through your mind. Either it's unrealistic, it's never going to happen, so I'll just write another email, right? Or, or what can I do in order to get there? So that's, that's a preferred future. So what we're doing in a vision series is saying, what God will it accomplish to get where you want us to go? And would you give us a vision of something that you would do in and among us that we would say, God, we're going to make sacrifices. We're going to aim towards it. We're going to give towards it. We're going to serve towards it. We're going to pray towards it. And God, would you bring that about in and among our church? So that's, that's what we're doing in this thing called a vision series. And so really over the last year and a half, Many of your pastors and elders have been praying and then studying and then writing, taking it up, ripping it up. That's not it. Praying, studying, writing, getting another version uh, and coming to a point where 45 elders are like, yes, that's, that's the preferred future that we're asking God for. And so I'm going to read it in full. It's, it's a long paragraph Uh, And then we're going to break it down today and over the next couple of weeks. And so this is what we're asking God to do in our church. This is our joyfully devoted vision series. But let's read it together. It says this. It says, by 2030, by God's grace and power, we pray the following is true of us. We are joyfully devoted disciples of Jesus, glorifying God together as one church through Firmly established congregations who love one another, bless Austin, send to the nations, and pursue multi-generational kingdom impact. Our church expresses a genuine zeal for God that overflows into people who abide in his word and are faithful in prayer, passionate in worship, sacrificial in obedience, and radical in generosity. As a unified body of elders, deacons, and partners, we are resilient in hope, cooperative in mission, and bonded in doctrine. And each of our congregations are healthy, significantly demonstrating our four loves. We are authentic, familial, hospitable communities of discipleship known for love and truth. Where the skeptic is welcomed, 
and the believer is challenged. We are welcoming witnesses for the gospel of the kingdom. We value consistent and intentional Christian friendships as well as caring and loving shepherds. We believe that every person has a role to play and is being awakened and deployed into their callings as equipped ambassadors, whether in the church, city, nations, home, or marketplace. We entrust real ministry to many by equipping ordinary people to participate in extraordinary works through recruiting, developing, deploying, and supporting leaders. We are impacting the city through sharing the gospel, extending mercy, and redeeming vocation. Our passion remains to see unreached peoples reached with the gospel through sustained church planting movements for the worship of God among all peoples. We have endeavored to invest in all of these things with future generations in mind in the long-term work of God in Austin in our hearts and a passion to steward faithfully all that God has entrusted to us for his kingdom causes. All right, so that's the preferred future. Go ahead and memorize that. By the end of the day, that'd be fantastic, right? Uh, it's, it's big. It's meant to be big. It's meant to be aspirational, hopefully somewhat motivational for us to say, yes, God, would you create that in and among us? And so we, we recognize that it is big and broad. And so we're trying to bring some sort of bite-sized pieces and we're gonna break it down into four sort of strategic areas So what we're asking God to do is to create among us healthy congregations who are filled with equipped ambassadors who will become welcoming witness and multi-generational investors. So today all we're doing is just one line, all right? One line out of it. What does it look like for us to be a healthy congregation, a church of six healthy congregations around the city of Austin? I'll read that little portion just one more time. It says, by 2030, by God's grace and power, we pray that the following is true of us, that each of our congregations are healthy, significantly demonstrating our four loves, that we are authentic, familial, hospitable communities of discipleship, known for love and truth, where the skeptic is welcomed and the believer is challenged. Okay, so in order to know where we're going, we also have to know where we are and where we've been. In order to have an understanding of where God's calling us, it, it's helpful for many of us to understand what has God done in and through us to this point, where are we now, and then understand where we're going in the future. So for many in our church, for many in Austin, uh, we show up and we're a part of something that God is doing in the Austin Stone, but we don't know where, we, where, where we're coming from. And so just very briefly, I wanted to give you sort of a, a picture of where we've been over the last 21 years Uh, for this church so that we can have a sense of where God's calling us in the future. So the Austin Stone was started in uh, about 21 years ago in 2002 uh, with a group of about 200 folks, a lot of college students, started meeting in a middle school on South Congress. So about two years went by and they outgrew the middle school and they moved into Austin High School and that was 2004. By that time it was about 600 people gathering uh, at Austin High School It grew over the next few years, and by 2008, there was four congregations of a few thousand people recognizing that there was something else God was calling us to. And so in 2008, uh, we began to pray for what God had for us next. And much of the fruit of that vision was to not just be a church that met in one location, but a church that would be able to be for the city of Austin. 
And so the For the City Center, a place where we could gather on Sunday mornings and a place that would be a blessing to an underserved part of our city, the, the vision for that was born in 2008. This building here that I'm in today was built in 2010. And at that point, the Austin Stone became a multi-congregational church. So from that, we began to say, God, what would you do next? So in 2012, some of the leaders at what was then Austin Bible Fellowship in Terrytown came to some of the elders at the stone and said, hey, what would ministry partnership look like? That conversation and those prayers birthed our West congregation that currently meets over off 360. And so because of that, we're like, okay, now we've got three congregations in different parts of the city. God, what else do you have for us? And so just a year later, our South congregation was uh, born in, uh, in 2013 at Peretta's Middle School in far South Austin. Two years after that, a church came up for sale in Round Rock. Uh, we had a team that was ready to roll. And so they started our North congregation in 2015. And then in mo- most recently in 2020, Two months before COVID, uh, our Northwest congregation came online when some leaders and elders at what was then the Church of Canyon Creek said, hey, might we partner in ministry with the Austin Stone? Uh, and we, we saw the birth of our Northwest congregation. And just, friends, just as a, a testimony to who we want to be when we grow up, uh, there, was a, there was a beautiful vision for ministry in Austin from a group of elders that said, we want the next generation to to continue to have the good news of the gospel proclaimed. And they said, here's a building. We have a building. You need a building. Here you go. Keep running. And we said, when when we uh, get to that place, man, we hope that the Austin Stone would be a church that says, gospel Christians, keep running, keep going. And so the, uh, the idea is, is that we've seen all of these things happening over these last 21 years, and here we are now. So we have a little graphic. Uh, some of you are going to love numbers. Some of you are overwhelmed by numbers. That's okay. Uh, just see it for what it is. Uh, and we don't normally do this, but we wanted to do this in order to just say, hey, kind of here's what our current reality is. Uh, and so this is uh, a, just a list of our current congregations when they started, how many elders and deacons, what our average attendance is at those congregations, uh, and then what our, at, what our attendance was at Easter at those congregations. And so if you just look at this, uh, you'll probably be able to see your congregation on there and you say, hey, I'm one of those. Uh, like you count on there. Those numbers are actually humans. They're actually, actually people. Uh, and so we celebrate that, that we've seen nearly 3,000 of you said, I want to be a partner in what God is doing in and among the Austin Stone. Every year, continually to, to, to re-up your partnership. That's a wonderful thing because look uh, at the average attendance. Uh, there's, there's more than half of our folks who have committed to be partners uh, that, that are attending. So our average attendance is somewhere around 5,700. It's about 5,000 people. And then our Easter attendance was just shy of 10,000. So the people that call Austin Stone home is likely somewhere between 6,000 and 10,000 people. Somewhere in that, in that number. And so the question becomes, well, well what now? 21 years in, six to 10,000 people, six congregations. What's next, God? What else do you have in store for this group of people we call the Austin Stone? So that's the question that we're asking over these few weeks. God, what is next? 
And so simply what we're saying is not, we wanna be bigger, bigger, bigger. We wanna have more and more congregations. What we are saying and what we are sensing God saying is that we want healthier and healthier congregations. If God brings more, wonderful, that's not our aim. And, and we're answering that at the, at the beginning because we hear people all the time say, when's Georgetown campus? When's Liberty Hill campus? When's San Marcos campus? And we're like, no plans for that right now. Uh, unless the Lord plans it and hasn't told us. What our plan is, is God, the six congregations that you've entrusted to us, would you make them healthy? And you say, healthy doesn't sound like an awesome vision until you've been unhealthy. If you've ever been unhealthy, you recognize the value and the beauty of joy of being a healthy person. And that's what we want for our church. Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter seven. He says, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So what we see here is that a healthy tree is producing healthy fruit. That's what we're aiming at, saying, God, would you take these congregations, produce spiritual fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and self-control and gospel witness and equipped ambassadors who would take this to their neighborhood, take this to their workplace so that the city of Austin would be changed because of the health of those who are already here. We want more and more people. We want more and more disciples. But we also want those who are here to be growing in health. And we recognize this, that there is a sort of, I hear this all the time, uh, that a small church must be a healthy church and a big church must be an unhealthy church. So we sort of have that in our mind. But we would never say a small tree is a healthy tree and a big tree is an unhealthy tree. We say they're just different seasons. That, that here's the reality that God has placed us in a growing, rapidly growing city in a big church. Does that mean that health is impossible? And we say, no. We, we are asking and trusting that health is possible because even in a big church that God would produce great fruit from the church that he's started. So, okay, what does this look like? Well, let's look, there's a lot of places we could go. Uh, I wanted to just look at one section uh, of Ephesians chapter three. And here's how we're answering that succinctly and then we'll unpack it. What we mean by a healthy congregation is a healthy people in a place on purpose. A healthy people in a place on purpose. So let's read Ephesians three and unpack that a little bit. Ephesians three, verse 16. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So a healthy church is made up of a healthy people in a place 
on purpose. The first thing we see here is that Paul, this is the Apostle Paul praying for the church in Ephesus. And he's praying you. Now when he's praying you, the pronoun you doesn't mean individual you, it means us. It means, so if we were uh, writing this or translating the Greek into Texan, we would say y'all, right? So let me read it in the uh, New Texas version. So that he may grant y'all to be strengthened, so that Christ may dwell in y'all's hearts, that y'all might be grounded in love, that y'all might have strength to know the unknowable love of Christ, and that y'all might be filled with the fullness of God. And now all the Texans are like, oh, okay, yeah, now I get it. Uh, I understand that, right? It's a people. The church is a people, not a person. And we, we use that language purposefully because we've said here at our church for years and years that this church is not about any one person other than Jesus. That, that this church is not about a worship leader, a pastor, a leader. And guess what? When we say that, we mean it's not about any individual on stage, nor is it about any individual not on stage. That this is a collection. It's a ecclesia. It's a church. It's a people. And so what, is, what, are, what do we learn about this people from Ephesians 3? Let me just give you a couple observations. Verse 14, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. First, we see a healthy people is a family who shares the same Father. So God is our Father, therefore we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So there is a familial uh, nature to this thing called the church. That there is something unique about the way that we interact with one another because we share the same father. There's no such thing as an only child as a Christian. And some of us, that feels very warm. It feels very safe. It feels like, yes, I get that and I want that. And for some of us, not so much. Because guess what? There's, there's no greater place for us to grow than in a family, to be known than in a family. But there's also no greater place where hurt and dissatisfaction and brokenness can happen than in a family. And so there is a sense for some of us that there is a feeling of vulnerability when we say the church is a family. We say, I'm not sure I want that. I kind of want to roll in, get my coffee, sit in my seat, do my thing, get in my car and go home. But then we're, we're called to something different than that because there is actually a vulnerability that, caused, that, that, that it takes for us to be a family. But friends, the vulnerability is worth it because of the opportunity of what God is doing in and among his family. A people is a family. Secondly, we see that a people is empowered by the Spirit. Verse 16, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Man, a, a healthy congregation is empowered by the Spirit of God. Even in our statement, we said, by God's grace and power. Because the things that we're asking God to do, we know we can't do in and of ourselves. We can't preach a good enough sermon. We can't give enough stuff. We can't serve enough. We can't show up enough to see lives gone from death to life, from hell to heaven, to see a city transformed, to see families healed. We, we can't do it apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. And so a family, a people that is empowered by the Holy Spirit, 
Third, we are a people indwelled by Christ. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Man, I love this idea of the indwelling nature of God. That God takes up residence in our hearts. And when we say our hearts, that's the center of our lives. It's the the center point of all that we value. Jesus is at the center. Romans chapter 7 says this. It says that sin dwelt in your hearts. That sin was sitting on the seat of your hearts. But now Christ has moved in. And when Christ moved in, he evicted the squatter of sin and says, you're out I'm in. I'm the one on the throne of the heart of this person. And, th- and th- here's what happens. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, whether in a church or at school. You're by yourself. You love the Lord, but you don't have any friends. And all of a sudden you meet a Christian who loves Jesus too. And something sparks and you're like, you love Jesus too? We're best friends, like we're kindred spirits. We share something. The center of your heart is Jesus and the center of my heart is Jesus. And all of a sudden we're like, we can hang. We, we, there's a, it's called koinonia. It's fellowship, it's kindredness. And friends, guess what? When we walk into a place like this and all of us are like, Jesus, we're struggling, we're wrestling, but you're at the center point of our lives There's a koinonia and there's a song. There's a unity that happens in and among us and that that we wrestle with and share with one another. And I get to experience more of what God is like when I hear your story and vice versa. Like when you tell me your story of grace, I'm like, yes, I wanna worship Jesus more. And then I get to tell you my story and you're like, yes, I wanna worship Jesus more. That, that's what's happening in a people. Next, we see a people who are rooted in love. Verse 17, that you, y'all, might be rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That y'all might be rooted in love. Right, good soil makes deep roots and deep roots make good fruit. So if we're rooted in the wrong things, we're going to produce the wrong fruit. The scripture tells us here that this is a people, this is a church that's rooted in what? The love of God that surpasses knowledge. If we're rooted in the love of God, the the, the fruit of our lives is going to be bursting forth that fruit. I, I have a little garden and I have a raccoon, and so I am so angry. Uh, I built a fence, I put out lights, I put garlic out, and that raccoon, that raccoon just cares nothing for my, my autonomous self in the garden. But what I did is I tried to create great soil so that I could produce great fruit, right? The soil that the church is built on is the love of God. And every time I read this, I think of what we do at Christmas time. Christmas time, what we'll do as a family is we'll get in the family truckster and we'll drive to Elgin and we'll go take the little tractor and there's all of these perfectly healthy trees and we'll take a saw and find the right one. Of course, I've got three boys so they're like, it's the biggest one is the right one. Uh, and we'll saw it off and we'll wrap it up and we'll put it on the car and we'll drive it home. We'll put it in a metal bowl with water and then you decorate it. 
Like some of y'all decorate your trees and everything matches and it's beautiful with white bows. In our house, it's all of the ornaments that our kids made when they were in kindergarten and they're terrible, right? Like it's like, like just marker and you're like, it's beautiful in a certain way, but we, we put it all on and we put the lights on it. And then for us, we get hot chocolates, 82 degrees in Texas. We're like, we're just going for it. And then we, we flip the lights, ah, right? And we enjoy the Christmas tree with all the accoutrements of the holiday, with all the memories from all of the years. And I know I'm gonna be a total killjoy here, but what we're doing We're looking at a dead tree. We're looking at a dead tree and I know it's dead because about three weeks later when I pull it out on December 28th uh, and I grab it, all of the needles fall off and I've got to put on gloves because it's bristly and it's dry. So what, what happened? Well, we cut it off from the roots. We decorated it. I mean, look at it. It's amazing. It's got memories and lights and it's dead and it's bristly, and it's dry, and if you touch it, it falls apart. And I wonder how many of us think about what we're rooted in. We're not rooted in the love of Christ. We've been cut off. We've rooted ourselves in something else, and instead of trying to grow roots, we put more ornaments on. We say, well, look at this. Look at all of the things that I'm doing. And friends, we do that even as a church, We can be a church that puts on all of the ornaments and all of the lights and says, look at us. But if we're not rooted in the love of Christ, we get dry, we get bristly, and we get tossed out. We say, Jesus, would you root us deeply in your love? Last and fifth, we see that this people is a people that lives to the glory of God. Verse 21. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So healthy people in healthy congregations, man, we put God first. God's weight and his glory is most significant in our lives. That he takes up the primary seat. The word glory, I don't know if y'all, we hear glory and we're like, yes, I like that word. I'm not sure exactly what it means. The word glory means mass or weight. Mass or weight, something that is big and heavy. And so maybe, maybe you could do this this afternoon, right? You and your friend, you're gonna go find a creek. Good luck in Austin, there's no creeks anymore. Uh, but imagine you could find a creek uh, or a little stream that actually had water in it. And you and your friend, you go get the biggest rock that you can carry and you go over to the stream and you drop it in. What would happen to the water? It wouldn't go through the rock. It would go around, over. The the weight and mass of that rock would cause the path of the water to change. When we think of the glory of God in our lives, we think of the weight and the mass of who God is changing everything about our lives. God is the weightiness. He is the glory. And in our church, He's first. We are theocentric, God-centered, Christ-centered. He comes first and everything we do revolves around the glory and weightiness of God. So as a people, we are a family empowered by the Spirit and dwelled by Christ, rooted in love to the glory of God. That's going to take some work. It's going to take some perseverance. It's going to take some sacrifice. It's going to take some giving. It's going to take some years 
But that's what we want to aim towards, to be those kinds of people. But not just those kinds of people. We also think to be a healthy congregation is a people in a place. That there is, secondly, sort of a proximity that we have with one another. That there is, when we think of church, both a theology and a geography. Both of those matter. Our theology and our geography. Look at this. When, when Paul wrote Ephesians, who did he write it to? Ephesians 1.1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So a person, Paul, writes to a people in a place. This was a very real place, a very real city, a very real people who had all the struggles of all the churches that have ever existed, right? It, it, it's, a, it's a particular group of people, and Paul is writing them a letter, and he says this of them, verse 8, chapter 3. It says, This grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things so that, check this out, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might, be, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Through the church, that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. He says, church in Ephesus, church in Austin, local congregation of a people, through you, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. That God has chosen these local gatherings of people to do something amazing, and it's to display his manifold wisdom. I'm kind of a a nerd when it comes to, like I'm reading and I'm like, manifold, I haven't read that word any other place in the Bible, it's because it's only here. The word manifold is this really, uh, it's a compound word. Essentially, if you were to take a diamond, a big diamond apparently, uh, and you were to hold it up to light and turn it, all of the different various colors that would shine out of that diamond, that would be manifold. Or if you were to go to a lavish garden, And there are just flower beds bursting with flowers in every direction. All the colors. That's that's manifold. It's it's all the colors. It's multifaceted. He says the multifaceted, varied, manifold wisdom of God is made known through the church. The church. The ecclesia. The ecclesia is the word for church. It is a word that means the gathered ones, the, the saints who are gathered in a place. There is a local expression of church and there is a global expression of all churches, of, of all people who have ever called the name of Jesus. What we're talking about isn't big C church, all Christians forever. What we're talking about is little C church, local congregation, ecclesia. Because in place, it matters, Right? It's meaningful that God has placed us in the city that he's placed us in. Because as Austinites, man, we live in a globally connected city and we are a globally connected people. So we can do work in Austin and we can talk to people in Tokyo and we can talk to people in Rio and we can, we can have business with, uh, with people all around the globe. But the challenge is we can work globally and not truly be known locally. What I mean is that place is important, 
Because what happens is to really be known requires some level of proximity. And I know that because I have social media. And I can post whatever I want on social media to create an image of myself that may be very different than my reality. And I know, I know this every time, like when somebody has a baby and they place them in the blue bonnets and the baby's smiling and posing and, and you're like, wow, be, having kids must be easy. And then you have one and you're like, yeah, I put them in the blue bonnet. They got stung by a bee. Uh, I was in a fight with my spouse. I got a flat tire, but I got a great picture, Right. Uh, and, and what happens is you don't see all of the other stuff because we project a particular image, but we're not really known. And I know that because survey after survey after survey says even in a globally connected city, we are feeling more and more disconnected, lonelier and lonelier. So what happens is there is a proximity that happens with a people. And it's changing in our city, it's changing. I've been in Austin 18 years and 18 years ago, uh, Austinites, this is, if you're new to Austin, this is one of our, just our, our joys in our pastimes is if you've been in Austin like 20 minutes, you complain about the one that's been here 10 minutes. Uh, it's just what we do. We complain about all the new people. Uh, and so I've been here 18 years. 18 years ago, everybody in Austin went to Zilker Park. If you went out to eat, you went to South Congress. I haven't been to South Congress in years because they opened a Chili's in my neighborhood. I'm like, uh, you're like, I judge you. And you should, um, <laughs> right? I can park there and get there in five minutes. Um, so chill. Uh, but, but Austin has changed as it's become a larger city. What, what was gonna work 18 years ago, 21 years ago, will no longer work to reach this city because the city is different. And so what we're saying is, God, what would you do now in this new proximity? If we were to, uh, we had a vision before the For the City Center was built to say, we're going to build one campus. We actually looked to buy the Home Depot across uh, the highway uh, at St. John and I-35. That was going to be our campus. Now, if we were to build one campus for all of Austin Stone, it would have to be bigger than the Cedar Park Center. Uh, and, and it would have to require people from Georgetown and Kyle and San Marcos and Hutto and, and all over to drive to one place. Now, that's not how Austinites roll anymore. See, in my neighborhood, I'm like, if, if you say uh, go across the river, I'm like, no way. Like that seems so far away. Uh, for some of you in Round Rock, you're like, I'm never gonna go across I-35 one way or the other, right? And there's just these ways that we live now. And knowing that reality, I'm so excited to see that God has, has birthed in us. We weren't smart enough to do this 20 years ago, but by God's grace, a building came up in North Austin. By God's grace, a, a group of people started a, 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 a church in Peretta's Middle School. By God's grace, some, some elders at Austin Bible Fellowship came and said, what would ministry look like? And some elders at uh, Canyon Creek uh, came over and said, what would this look like? And, and now we've got places, six congregations around this rapidly diversifying city. We don't have congregations in every place, but we have six in strategic places. What would it look like for us to continue to grow in these places so that in proximity with one another, we can have authentic community and effective mission? That in these places, we have deeper, 
known, accountable, healthy relationships. And we have a mission intentionality to say, not drive all over the city to one place, but, but would you drive to this place? And that's why we, we start to see why creating healthy congregations becomes so vital. Right? Could you imagine that if in every part of the city of Austin, from Dripping Springs to Liberty Hill, from Lago Vista to Dub Springs, from Circle C to Steiner Ranch, in all of the neighborhoods that we didn't mention, that as those people gather, that through them, that the manifold wisdom of God would be seen and known because they're rooted in love, that they love one another, that they're empowered by the Holy Spirit, that they're indwelt by Christ. Oh, that we would have healthy congregations that are in this city of ours and that we're doing it on purpose. That's the third and final thing. That we're a people in a place on purpose. I'm gonna switch to a different text uh, in Acts chapter two. And uh, I wanna read this for you. It's a, it's a relatively famous passage right after the first church after Pentecost is born after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, after the ascension, the apostles begin to proclaim the gospel and the first church is born. Acts 2, 42 says, and they, the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all of the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Man, so much here. Just quickly, to give you a picture of the purpose of the church, we see at least, this isn't everything, but it is a succinct sort of summary of what does a church do? Well, we see that they devoted themselves. We start football season next week. I know we had some games. They didn't count this week. Next week. Uh, and we recognize the word devoted is the same word we get our word fan or fanatic. Devoted is somebody who's willing to make sacrifices. Some of y'all are gonna get up early to tailgate. You're gonna spend money and you're gonna spend time and you're gonna spend your voice and your emotion on the game. Wonderful, beautiful. The word devotion means that what would it look like to spend our energy and our time and our voice on the things of God? They devoted themselves to what? To learning, to the apostles' teaching. They prioritized being learners. They devoted themselves to fellowship, which means other people, and they lived life together. They devoted themselves to sharing communion, to remember the finished work of Christ. We're going to do that this morning, today. We're going to be a part of that uh, remembering. They devoted themselves to prayer. They, they devoted themselves and committed themselves to being generous. They were humble enough to make needs known and generous enough to meet needs. They devoted themselves to gathering regularly in large groups and in small groups. They devoted, devoted their voices to praise, that the sounds of their singing 
was something showing off the goodness and gladness of God in their hearts. And then they devoted to reaching out to others because day by day, uh, God was adding to the number those who were being saved. And the question is, why did they do that? Why did they live such devoted lives? Well, Acts, this is how math works. Acts 2.42 is right after Acts 2.38. And so in 2.38, we see what, what changed in them to cause this devotion. See, in Acts 2.30, Peter, the apostle, is proclaiming the gospel. And they hear it, and the Holy Spirit brings conviction, and they say, what do we do? And here's what Peter says. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gospel's proclaimed. They receive forgiveness of their sins. They're indwelt and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And see, friends, until we recognize the goodness of the gospel, the power of the gospel, uh, we're going to be continually spinning our wheels. That this thing is ultimately about no other person than Jesus, right? It's his presence. It's his power. It's his glory. It's his church. And we get to be a part of what God is doing in Austin through it. What a joy that is. So let me just ask, I'll give you a couple of sort of processing questions. You can think on them now or think on them this, today. Just what about you? As you hear the gospel proclaimed, as you think on it, might the message for you be today like it was for those to whom Peter preached? Uh, repent and trust in the Lord for the forgiveness of your sins. Maybe today you're like, Jesus, I feel like you're calling me to yourself. Maybe that's your step. Or for others, what do you need to do to devote yourselves? Like that early church, it was devoted. Maybe, maybe you devote yourselves to prayer or to serving or to fellowship or to prayer uh, or to giving. Or maybe today it looks like you just consider this your family. What would it look like to say, I'm committed here. I'm going to be here with these people. I'm going to partner together with them until God calls me elsewhere. This is the place that I'm going to, to lock arms with people. Oh, let the Lord would make us a healthy congregation, a church of six healthy congregations that are doing these things to the glory of God and the good of his people. And I love how the uh, the Apostle Paul finishes that section now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your church. God, we ask that you would bring health. God, I'm sure that there's some here who are wrestling and who are struggling and who are worried and who are overwhelmed. God, I pray that you remind each and every one of us deeply and truthfully of the good news of the gospel of grace. Lord, that we might receive the forgiveness of sin and that we might walk in newness of life. And so, Lord, I pray that for this church, that we might not just be a gathering of individuals doing our own thing, but that there is by your spirit, a real sense of fellowship and being known and knowing, of being generous with one another. God, it's going to take your spirit. It's going to take 
your work. And so, Lord, we give it to you and ask that you do according to your good purposes what you would do in in your church. We love you and we thank you for these things in Christ's name.